You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. In middle school and high school, there was a man named Scott who poured into my life. He would come and pick me up each week with some other middle school and high school boys. And he'd take us out to eat and we'd play basketball and we would eventually study God's Word each night. I, I look forward to it. I, I really enjoyed my time uh, with him and he taught me so much about what it meant to be a man of God. I'm not sure why he spent so much time with a bunch of middle schoolers who are loud and obnoxious. Uh, there were several times that we almost got thrown out of a pizza place because we were, we were loud and we were doing middle school boy type things and we'd go over to a booth and we'd unscrew the little cheese canisters and, and, and then we would watch as people would pour cheese onto the pizza and, and, and there was more than a few times that I'm sure that manager wanted to tell us to leave. But, but Scott put up with us and he continued to pour uh, into our lives. And, and I want you to think right now, who are some people who have poured into your life? Maybe it was a parent or a grandparent, an uncle, maybe it was a minister, maybe it was someone in the youth group. But, but I want you to take a moment and just think, who's poured into your life? Who's made a difference in your life? Uh, Scott is one of those people for me. And the thing that I loved about Scott was he didn't just pour in my life, but he challenged me to pour into other people's life. When we would get a middle school boy and I was in high school, he'd say, hey, I want you to invest in this young man. I want you to start showing him what it means to study the Bible, what it means to, to walk with Christ. In the Bible, we see several examples of mentors. I think about in Exodus chapter 18, Jethro mentored his son-in-law Moses. Moses was doing so many things, and, and Jethro saw it and said, uh, Son, you're going to get burned out if you don't start learning to delegate. And, and then if you look what Moses did, Moses eventually mentored so many people, but especially Joshua, who would eventually take over and lead uh, the Israelites. I think about how Elijah invested into Elisha. I think about in the book of Ruth, where Naomi uh, invest into her, her daughter-in-law, Ruth. I, I think about Luke chapter 1 where Elizabeth, uh, the mother of John the Baptist, pours her life into Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then where I want to camp out today is in Acts chapter 9. You see two people invest into Saul, who eventually, whose name eventually changed to Paul. There was a guy named Ananias and a guy named Barnabas. Ananias was, was a believer uh, in God, and one, one day he gets a vision from God. He says, hey, I want you to go to Judas's house, who's on street, or whose house is on Straight Street. And, and if you do some, some research, you'll actually find that this was a pretty wealthy area. This street was uh, where temples were. It's kind of like the main street of downtown. And what had happened before here was uh, that Saul knew God, but he didn't know Jesus. And he was persecuting Christians. 
and he was on this journey and all of a sudden he sees this bright light and, and God gets his attention and he's blinded for three days. And so God tells Ananias, hey, I want you to go here and I want you to, to go and minister to Saul. I want you to pour your life into him. And, and so he has this vision and, and this is what Ananias says. He says, but Lord, have you heard, or I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. He's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon his name. Uh, God, are you really sure you want me to go to this house to minister to, to this guy? Uh, he's not a nice guy. But the Lord says, yes, I want you to go. Go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And if you look at Saul's life, he'll go and preach the gospel to Gentiles, to kings, and to the Jews. If you skip down to verse 17, So Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. He got up and was baptized. And we see this, this beautiful picture of how Ananias feels, or plays a major part into Saul's life by going and laying hands on him. He, he's able to see. He, Saul now is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gets baptized. We don't know a lot about Ananias. This isn't the Ananias with Sapphire that you also see in the book of Acts. We, we don't know if Saul and him became pen pals. He disappears from, from, from Scripture. We, we just don't know a whole lot about him. But we do know that he played a part in Saul's life. Uh, another guy that played a big part in uh, Paul's life was a guy named Barnabas. You might remember him from Acts chapter, I believe it was Acts chapter 4, uh, that he ended up selling some property and giving his money uh, to help the church. It was Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 4 that this took place. And Barnabas is known to be the son of encouragement. And then if you keep on reading in Acts chapter 9, you'll, you'll see that when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. I, again, uh, believers weren't crazy about hanging out with Saul. And they did not believe that he had truly become a believer. But then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told him how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to him. He also told him that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And so Barnabas vouches for, for Paul. He pours into his life. And not only that, but they end up going on a missionary journey together. They're preaching boldly. They're planting churches. They're doing all these great things. Now, eventually they get into a sharp dispute, but that's a story for another day. But you, but you see this beautiful picture of people pouring into Saul. And, and then this is what Saul does. He pours into many other people. He's making disciples. And one of those disciples was a guy named Timothy. You can find part of his story in Acts chapter 16. Philippians 2, it says that Timothy was like a son to him. You have this deep bond. And if you look in 1 and 2 Timothy, you'll see some advice that, that uh, Paul gives to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godlessness, foolish discussions with those who oppose with their so-called knowledge. Now, some, some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. And 
And again, I just love this picture of how some people pour into someone and then they begin to pour into other people. And that's, uh, that's what we see with discipleship. People uh, disciple us and then we disciple others. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You love when people pour into your life. But you're thinking, I don't know about pouring into other people. I want to, but, but Ronnie, I've got issues. I've got failure in my life. I've got a failed marriage, or I've got an addiction or that, I've, uh, that I'm recovering from, or I've got anger issues, or I'm not very good with my finances. And when people tell me uh, that, they're, that they're scared about helping others, uh, discipling them, mentoring them, I tell them they're the perfect candidate. Because you know when we learn the most? It tends to be in our struggle. It tends to be in our failure. And the Bible is filled with people who failed. And God used them. And God can use you to pour into other people's life. And, and, and so I just want to encourage you. Don't let your struggles, don't let your failure be a wall that keeps you from ministering to others. When, when, you are, when God gives you that nudge to say, hey, I want you to go minister to, to someone. When I want you to go disciple them. I want you to go pour into their life. And don't make excuses. Just say, okay, God, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I trust you. Give me the words. Give me the wisdom to be able to do so. And this year, uh, we've been, our, our, our theme is engage. And we're encouraging you to engage in worship, to have that personal relationship with God. We are encouraging you to engage in baptism, to make that profession of faith, to tell the world that you're a Christian. And we're encouraging you to engage in healthy habits. We want you to develop spiritual habits that will help you grow closer to God. And then we're also encouraging you to engage in being mentored and mentoring others, uh, of letting people disciple you, being humble enough to say, hey, pour into my life. I need help. I want to grow spiritually. And then also pour into other people's life. Now, there's a few things that I've learned about discipleship, about mentoring. First of all, mentoring is all about relationships. It's about building relationships. It's finding some things in common. It's listening to people and it's asking questions and it's caring about people. One of the things I love about Scott was that when, when we'd get together, he would ask what we're passionate about and he would study those things and he would just he would just want to know about our life and when he spoke to us we knew that he cared and so when he had something hard to tell us we respected that and that's part of that mentoring relationship uh, something else that i've that i've learned is that mentoring is more than talking it's modeling it's demonstrating what it looks like to to have a godly life and so scott would uh, take us when we were studying the book of James, and it talked about taking care of widows and orphans. Not only did we study that, but then we went out and he demonstrated that, demonstrated that for us because then we would go do yard work for uh, some widows. We might take groceries to them. We'd take care of them in some capacity. He, he would take us to play pool and, and show us how to have self-control in a competitive uh, situation. And, and so some, some people think, hey, mentoring is just about talking. No, it's, it's both. You, yes, you spend time talking, but you also model it. One of the things that, that I've also learned about mentoring is often the people that we need to mentor is right in front of us. It might be your kids. It might be a, a niece or a nephew. It might be a neighbor. And God puts people right in front of us so that we can pour our lives into them. Uh, some people are like, oh, who should I mentor? It might be your coworker that you're working right next to. It might be that neighbor. 
And so if you pray and say, God, show me who I can pour my life into, I promise you, He'll give you the answer. He'll make it very clear to you. Now, this during this series, uh, we've been challenging you to do different things. Last week, I challenged you to journal and, and look and see how God's working in your story. But this week, I want to ask that you would make some cookies, and I want you to do one of two things, or you can do both. First of all, when you make these cookies, I want you to maybe bring these cookies to someone who's poured into your life and just write a little thank you note. Just say, thank you for pouring into my life. Thank you for making a difference. You've taught me whatever that might be. Or you could also make cookies and bring it to someone that you're trying to pour into their life. You might say something along the lines of, I just want you to know I am so proud of you. I've seen these qualities in your life, and I just want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm your biggest cheerleader. If you really want, want to, you could do both. You could make some cookies for the person who you want to thank, and you also want to make some cookies for the person that you're trying to pour your life into. I mean, go for both of them. Um, I don't know about you, but I like cookies, and I know other people like cookies, and I feel like cookies is a great discipleship tool. It's a great mentoring tool. When we talk about discipleship, I think Jesus is the great mentor. He's the one that really shows us how to mentor. You see that he invested into 12 men, and especially into three men within the 12. And, and, and he spent time modeling, and he spent time loving them, asking questions, teaching. And, and so uh, one of the great things about Jesus is that he also shows us what true love is. 